Stephanie Cicerelli. And I'm Juliana Jones. Oh, this is so great. We are still on tour, Juliana. We are in the fourth New city. York. New York. Hey, hey, New York, how are you doing tonight? Woo! Woo-hoo! Oh, New York. New, New York, you are amazing. Let me just say that. We are in the Canadian consulate on Lexington, which is beautiful. beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love it. I just love the consulate. Thank you, the Canadian consulate. Thank you very, very much. Um, this beautiful venue. Uh, but anyway, we are not just here in the venue to talk about the venue. We are here to talk about a job that was posted on voices.com by one of our favorite clients, Dale LaRue from the Rain Agency. Welcome to the show, Dale. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Nice job. <laughs> That's great. So, um, Dale, like, there's obviously a lot of stuff that you do in what your company does, but you've helped companies like Nike, BlackRock, American Express, Pfizer, Campbell's Soup Company, and more to, to build their award-winning voice experiences. And, and just, like, there's so much that you do, but you know what? You are way better at explaining all of that than I am. So, I'm going to turn it over to you. Dale, tell us about yourself and, and what you do at Rain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Rain is from is born from a digital advertising agency, um, and just like we all change the way that we're consuming mediums in terms of smartphones, connected devices, everything uh, that uh, the digital age has brought us, we are adapting as well as a, as a company to to meet those needs. And so Rain Agency started as uh, more of like a traditional advertising agency, making everything from TV commercials, Super Bowl commercials, boring videos that you want to press skip to when you're watching YouTube, um, down to radio ads and everything of the like in terms of the more traditional sense of creative. As the technology around us has become more connected, the Internet of Things has become more of, uh, of a driving force. We've really started to gravitate more towards voice technology and conversational experiences. Um, and so we think about voice technology and conversation experiences. We're thinking probably a lot of you are thinking Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant, and you'd be right. And a lot of those are really the areas of entry, the entry points that we're seeing a lot of people interact with brands in, uh, in whether it's through just traditional search, uh, need to know questions, figuring out how to find your favorite local business, uh, hours of operation, very simple utilitarian tasks, all the way up to really creating engaging brand experiences with, uh, with the, the brands that we support. So where we come in as a company is to look at what their objectives are, what are their challenges, what are the consumer uh, pain points where a conversation or spinning up something that's more two-way dialogue can actually benefit them. Uh, and that's the new type of creative that we're really after producing uh, versus more of the broadcast. We're really creating more of a, a one-to-one relationship with, uh, with the customers and, and brands this way. And so voice is a, a very unique uh, space right now being so new, even relatively to the digital age. Um, but it's something that we're, we're finding a lot of traction and a lot of great creativity of our, uh, of our clients uh, in the talent that we're working with and the way customers are engaging with them. Yeah, and it says cool. here, oh my goodness, you have over eight years of experience evaluating talent for broadcast. And and so, like, obviously, like, you're quite skilled at this and, and wonderful. So, uh, and you've been working with Voices.com for, for a while now. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so with Voices now, we are constantly looking in, when you're interacting with smart speakers, like we're doing with uh, Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant on an ongoing basis, and even chat instances, we're trying to find a voice for a brand to have a voice in these spaces. And if you interact with any of those devices now, you're getting something that's robotic. You're not necessarily getting somebody that's true to that brand. And so when we are operating in this space, we're always pushing for high fidelity. How can we make sure that your brand comes to life through sound? And a lot of the way that happens is through a really natural voiceover talent. And so we find that Voices is a really, really strong partner and able to allow us to move quickly, 
uh, really uh, evaluate a wide swath of, of talent of, of candidates and do so um, with a really great supporting team. And, and the way that this platform operates is really, really user-friendly for us. And so um, where we'd be used to in a traditional model in some of my previous uh, advertising agency life, you know, we work with casting directors. The process can be sometimes a little bit more drawn out. Voices makes it a really efficient, really super lean way to, to work and find the right type of uh, a voice and the right type of experience that we're trying to create. So it's a really great platform, not just from the candidates that are out there, but the way that we're able to include you guys turnkey into our process. Nice. Love being part of your workflow, but better to be here in person and talking to you yeah, today. Absolutely. Wow. This is amazing. Um, so unlike other episodes of Mission Audition, we are actually going to talk about a real job, as you've probably guessed by now, because we have Dale here and he's going to discuss that. Um, generally, as you know, on Mission Audition, there are scripts that we are posting and uh, we wrote them, you know, our, our marketing department writes them and uh, you audition for those. And someone else, maybe a coach might evaluate, but today you actually get to hear directly from the person whose ears were on the actual auditions, why they chose to move ahead with someone and, and you know, what might've been lacking in a read for why they didn't choose someone else. But that's really interesting feedback. Who has ever had an opportunity to hear feedback from a client ever? Hands up. There are maybe six hands. And there's this room of over 150 people about that. 140. I don't know. I can't count right now, Lindsay. 3,000. Thank you. There's 3,000 people in spirit are here. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Only future listeners as well. Oh, and the future listeners. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, but just to, to kind of push the point home here, this is extremely rare. You do not get this access normally to people because like you, you don't even necessarily know if they liked what you did. You might know if they listened because you'll see that, or maybe, you know, if they liked you. Um, but honestly, you, you really don't get to see behind the curtain like this. And so I'm really, really grateful to you, Dale, for, for bringing us behind the curtain today. Um, so the job that we're talking about is one that you posted here uh, for your client, BlackRock. Right. Um, and so, uh, as we always do, we talk a bit about what the job requires. Uh, so I'm going to ask you some questions in between here, Dale, because you know better than we do, you know, even though I've got these details in front of me, what it is that you're looking for. But, um, the industry was finance. We have uh, an Alexa or Google Home type, you know, virtual assistant or, or voice that you might hear through your smart speaker role. And, you know, it's just very, very quickly. These new scripts is what it says here, job description, will be aired via Google Home and Alexa subscribers as their daily financial news. What can you tell us about this job and, and why was it so important to you to find the right voice? What were you looking for? BlackRock was really about this, this repositioning of their brand to better connect with people like uh, us in this room that are not financial professionals, but are people that are just taking a better posture towards wealth and their overall well-being. And, and, and so in, in order to do that, they wanted to think about these new entry points, these new digital streams and new types of content that they could kind of break down the, the stigma of complicated topics and, uh, and uh, industry news to just be more accessible. And so when we thought about these voice, uh, these voice channels, we obviously did not want to lean into some of the more robotics uh, nature of these more naturally. We wanted to uh, bring in a personality and somebody, as we'll get into some of the characteristics of what we were looking for, uh, that really embodied the way that they were trying to embrace, not just, yes, their core audience of, of the financial advisors and financial professionals, but people like us that are just more about wanting to take care of their their wealth and, and, and learn a little bit more about how to plan for the future. And that, that was kind of the, the way we tried to go in about it. 
Awesome. So it sounds like, and we've talked a lot about this, Juliana, in other episodes, but maybe, and correct us if we're wrong, Dale, but you were looking for someone who is relatable, like a real person, conversational, but it's so important that people sound relatable and that they, they come across as authentic. Person to person. Absolutely. So we are going to listen to four auditions tonight. So Cameron, can we hear audition number one? Please? Just Cameron, oh. actually, before you go, I just, I just wanted to get a little bit of sense too, of as we're going to start to evaluate the, the, the uh, scripts that we're going to hear, I want to give you guys a sense of the, the, I mean, she started talking a little oh, bit right. about the job that we posted, but really some of the specific traits that we were looking for. So that way you guys can also be listening in to hear about what we were really trying to evaluate. Um, so the first thing is what we talked about was authenticity and, and conversational. Are we actually finding that this person, though not an expert in the field of uh, financial analysis, actually feels that way? Are we actually getting that they're an authentic personality in the space? Um, inviting. We don't want this to be, we talked about the repositioning of the brand in general. We don't want this to be something that feels that it's unattainable or inaccessible. And so how inviting are they making this topic and this subject matter feel? Um, and then precision, uh, as almost a complete 180 to being inviting and making this stuff accessible is we also need to make sure that this is a precise delivery about a very important topic where people are listening to um, around really sensitive subject matter and real, with, that really does require expertise. And so precision, are we seeing that come through? Um, and then when it comes to engaging, are you still listening after 15, 60, 65 seconds? I mean, are we really seeing as, as this VO does continue, are we still there and, and following along with all the beats that they're introducing? And that's also important when we don't really give any kind of coaching. We're just right off the bat saying how they're doing as a natural reader. Um, just things to keep in mind for us as we're evaluating. And then the last thing is just provoking intrigue. Um, one of the, the calls to action that we introduce at the end of each of these briefings is to investigate more along this topic where, um, you know, BlackRock's uh, main investing insights lives. And so do we feel that we are keeping this person through, through this enough uh, to actually want to go visit the site? Uh, at the end of this briefing, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but over time, are we instilling that? And so those are the five areas, authenticity, inviting, precision, engaging, and are they provoking intrigue? So I just want to set that up as we get into them all. Beautiful. And that is a tall order, don't you think? That you need to be all of those things in order to appeal and to book this job. Uh, but uh, yeah, these these uh, four auditioners are going to show us how it's done. So I think, thank you very much, Dale, for that. Because oftentimes we don't know what's inside the client's head, you know, when they're thinking about it. And sometimes it's a matter of, I'll know it when I hear it. But it sounds like you have a playbook, actually, for exactly what you were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think this goes from from client to client as well. It's really about, that's not going to be the same for every single, uh, every single uh, client that we work with. It's a matter of understanding what their objectives are, what the messaging is, the lane that they want to operate within, and then helping uh, develop that criteria. So that way, when we post the job, we're getting, you know, as accurate of a, of a field of candidates as we are. And I mean, when we, when we got our initial list, I mean, it was astounded by how many, how difficult it was uh, to pick between how many great options we had because of what we were able to be was just really specific and uh, and, and Voices was able to deliver that. So it was a, a great process. And I'm excited to hear him again. Fantastic. Okay. Um, this time for real cam, let's roll audition number one. Good morning. I'm and this is your weekly commentary from BlackRock Investment Institute. First up, let's explore how recent policy changes in Japan will affect the U.S. yield curve. After a period of persistent flattening, the recent U.S. yield curve is steepening, reminding us that the spread between two and 10-year treasury yields reflects much more than the state of the U.S. economy. Global interest rates and monetary policy also play a role in shaping the curve, with a recent tweak in the Bank of Japan, or BOJ, policy helping drive the mild steepening. Here's the top line. The BOJ announced it would allow 10-year bonds to move in a wider range. 
Now, why would this affect the U.S. yield curve? He definitely sounded like he knew what he was talking about. What did you guys think of the audition? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. From from the second that we we heard this this candidate, there's a real sense of academia, which wasn't necessarily what we were looking for. But when you do hear that kind of tone come through, um, it, it stands out as something that I'm listening to this person there. Uh, they show some mastery of the subject matter. And I think it comes through with uh, the way that they're inflecting on the parts of the sentence of, you know, we heard about the yield curve is steepening. I mean, that's something that in the financial world, listening to that, we know that's an, that's an impactful statement. And so he was able to take that read and, and really make us feel like we knew where to hit those points. And, and that was just one thing that really stood out to us is his tone, his pace was, was a really strong uh, aspect of it. Wow. What do you all think? How did you like that read? Was it good? Give him a round of applause. That was a good audition. It's good. Awesome. Yeah. I know. Like it's, like that sounded so effortless, really. I have to say, I really liked the way he didn't do the announcer read. You know, he didn't end too high, too low on the end of his sentences. He kept it really in the middle, which helps to keep that conversational style. And actually, I picked up that tip from one of our other coaches in another episode. So listen to the other episodes, especially the one with Andrea Collins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And his audio quality was fantastic. It was crystal clear. Is that a big contributor to whether or not you choose to work with someone? It definitely, when it comes down to, um, you know, sometimes we, uh, if for instance, this is something that is repeatable in every single week. We, we have to get back into the studio and we're on a cadence of when things need to be live. Um, so some, at, at some point in time, we do evaluate, how does this person record? Is this something where studio time is, is needed or is there a home setup? And then if it is a home setup, how does that sound and how does it come through? And so it's definitely not the first thing that we evaluate, but at some point it does become, um, you know, part of the whole process. And, and when it is a weekly repetitive thing like this, it does, it definitely is a factor because we, we need to maintain some efficiencies, but when it's a bulk record, there's a little bit more time to plan into something. And if you're capturing a hundred different takes on something, you, you can sit in a studio for a day and, and, and plan that out versus like needing to know exactly where they're recording and all that setup. So it definitely depends on, on what you need from, from the talent. Is there generally an, an average amount of time between when you post the job and when you hire a job or are there other factors that come into play? Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely factors Like not everything is, is cut from the same cloth, but I mean, typically we do like to have a few rounds where we'll, you know, I think if we ask, Hey, we need uh, well, here's the job we posted in three days time. Uh, if you have some options, I mean, you guys are typically faster than that, but if we do give that deadline, I mean, we'll get up to about 20 or so, and then we'll re- listen to those and, Internally, we'll take them down to six to 10. And then, you know, from there, we'll potentially meet with our clients. And so then our clients get a chance to weigh in on our short list. And then sometimes in order to actually make the, the final read, we'll take a short list and we'll actually start to edit in some music on our end. That's a little bit or sound effects that kind of help with whatever creative direction that we need to go in. Um, so they're definitely between job posting and the booking can be anywhere from, I mean, we've done it as fast as about three days to getting it approved all the way up to a couple of weeks. And so it definitely is variant depending on what you need the, the voice for. Has there ever been a time where you posted a job and it didn't go to completion? Like what happened with the client? Every time that we've posted it so far, we've ended up using a voice. Right now, uh, I, I'll knock on marble here to say that we're in the middle of one right now. So hopefully we don't jinx ourselves. But um, yeah, everything that we've ever posted, we've ended up using. And it's been a really seamless process. And they haven't followed the same uh, example either. Um, but we've, we've used them successfully for, for Campbell Soup, as you mentioned in the beginning, for BlackRock Now. And uh, a new project with Nike that is, uh, is coming is, has also been voices. Awesome. Okay. Well, that was our first audition. We do have four. Cam, can we listen to audition number two, please? Good morning. I'm 
and this is your weekly commentary from BlackRock Investment Institute. First up, let's explore how recent policy changes in Japan will affect the U.S. yield curve. After a period of persistent flattening, the recent U.S. yield curve is steepening, reminding us that the spread between 2- and 10-year Treasury yields reflects much more than the state of the U.S. economy. Global interest rates and monetary policy also play a role in shaping the curve, with a recent tweak in Bank of Japan BOJ policy helping drive the mild steepening. Here's the top line. So really good read, but really different than the last one. Very much. Um, yeah, and, and actually, I know we're shortening for time, but we actually on this clip had two reads that were submitted as part of this entry. So he, he, he delivered one in this, and then he actually delivered one that uh, was a, a quite a departure. And I think the intention behind that was to show his range. And I think that was a really smart thing to do. Just as you were talking about, this was a, a strong read, but very different. There were some elements of, of the of his, I think, pacing that we we started to really zero in on after hearing some of the other reads where he was more doing finishing sentences on on a down note and then kind of picking back up and finishing on a down note. And I think for that reason, this was we we actually favored some of the second aspect of his other read, which is a little bit more high tempo. And that gave us a really strong inclination to say, hey, if you have a couple different styles to read in that you think fit this bill, then definitely give those to us because if we we realize that there is range, that you're coachable, that you can work within different skill sets. And so we didn't obviously get a chance to listen to that one. But remembering from this read, that was something that we actually really found unique and, and stood out to us about the audition is finding a couple ranges uh, that all that both kind of hit on where we're looking at. Yeah, that's something you talk about a lot, Juliana, is like the two takes, you know, if you're going to do more than one read. So what you're saying, Dale, is that you actually welcome that. Like, that's not frustrating for you to have, oh, man, now I've got to listen to more than one read. Like, um, I mean, if every talent did that, let's just pretend if everyone did that in their auditions, would that become an I don't like this so much anymore? But when it's the odd talent who does it, I don't mind. Yeah, that's that's a really good hypothetical because I haven't. It's not a, a common practice for everyone to do that. Um, I think it obviously adds time to the reviews, but it also, if if we are uncertain, it definitely helps us uh, see more reads from a, a smaller talent pool versus ten subjects that have two reads is the same as twenty that have one, and we've worked well within the twenty that have one. So I, I do think it really just as we you know if a client is posting to, to voices and there's a relationship working, you know, we work with Ian and, and doing and fielding the subjects and reviewing them. If there's a good dialogue between that team about how to best structure the the jobs and, and the submissions, I do think it's worthwhile if, um, you know, if there's that communication and maybe it's something that on your guys end is a, uh, Hey, would you have, would you like to have people post multiples and how many would you be looking for? You know, that workflow could really be client dependent. Well, and if you do two auditions um, or two takes in one audition, just give us a heads up. And say two takes. So um, what did everyone think of that audition? It was very different. Uh, any any thoughts? I almost thought that because he sounded a little bit older, it, it maybe was less of the job posting that I think, at least that I've gotten from you, it wasn't that same direction. Like, do you, do you ever get frustrated if somebody isn't exactly the specs that you've asked for in the audition for a job? It's not about necessarily frustration. I think we evaluate it with, um, do we think that this person could be coachable? And we, we look at how they sound and the way that they approach the take is to say, is, does this feel overly contrived or manufactured to hit this? Or does this feel like they are, you know, working a persona, so to speak? Um, and so I think that way that people interpret the job, which is why we love to give you guys like as much description as we can to really hope that people see one that, that would work for them and submit that. But we'd, we would never really say that we get frustrated as much as I, we sometimes will see a take that's a little bit off and it's just a missing interpretation. And I think that's just the creative process. And 
and you know, we do evaluate, can we, do we think we could work with this sample if, uh, if we had to get in, in, in studio time, kind of direct them a little bit. And, and that's always something that if we feel it's a yes, then there's no worse for the wear, but obviously it, it is a interpretation thing that, I mean, we all are going to fit, look at a brief and interpret it somewhat differently. So uh, I think that's just a, it's a symptom of that. We all have different ears and we're all listening for different things. Absolutely. And I think, and especially, and I, I can't say this is true in every industry that, that evaluates voice talent for their needs, but ours is, is never a single solitary person that says this is the one. It's, it's definitely conversation. It's, you know, some of the things that we've talked about is like, well, how authentic did you think that they were? And it's like, well, I thought this was a little bit more inviting. And so there definitely is a little bit of, uh, I would say group think, but really just evaluation of, um, of the criteria together. And so the subjectivity is definitely something that comes from a feeling of, uh, of, of knowing from the fact that we've created the, the brief and the, and the job posting itself. But it just, as I mentioned too, in the interpretation of, of a posting for, for somebody doing a read, it really is subjective in the way that you feel is the right tone for that. And, you know, there's no magic formula, uh, but it, you know, I think you start to see that the things that we talk about with the, the coaching, the ranges and the, the group evaluation, it helps us really narrow in. And then in studio, when we're able to direct that really gets us to the, the final, final spot that we're, that we're happy with. Awesome. Um, just a little segue now into our, our third audition. Why don't we listen to that one? Good morning. I'm and this is your weekly commentary from BlackRock Investment Institute. First up, let's explore how recent policy changes in Japan will affect the U.S. yield curve. After a period of persistent flattening, the recent U.S. yield curve is steepening, reminding us that the spread between two- and ten-year Treasury yields reflects much more than the state of the U.S. economy. Global interest rates and monetary policy also play a role in shaping the curve, with a recent tweak in Bank of Japan BOJ policy helping drive the mild steepening. Here's the top line. BOJ announced it would allow ten-year bonds to move in a wider range. So I'm looking at the job posting and I can hear him on the precise, I can hear him on the expert, but I don't know if I get the the curious or the empathetic or the human aspect on this one. Yeah, I mean, from from a tone, you it's, it is very, I think, inviting, but I think the things you're just hitting on are, I mean, the, the voice itself is a very soothing voice to listen to. You almost want it to like read a, a book on tape. Um, you know, it, it is, it is very nice and pleasing in that way. But I do think, yeah, in, in addition to some of the, yeah, I mean, we mentioned he is precise, but in terms of like, are you really finding that curiosity? Is he really showing that mastery? Yeah, I think that's where he's a little bit off in this one is that there is, I mean, it, and that's, again, it's, this is someone we felt like we could direct. So including him on the short list is saying, this is a very a great tone. Even the speed or the pace is a little bit slow, but um, again, when you just get undirected reads, you, you have to also just consider the things that you haven't had a chance to really to say or evaluate. But yeah, I think it, the, you, those are the right points on, on that. And um, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is like I said, for a book on tape, we would probably have never listened to anybody else. And sometimes these projects may also be delayed and it's not even something you can control. I mean, absolutely. And um, one of the ones that I mentioned that, you know, I knocked earlier on wood is, is that we're actually in the middle of a, of a delay. And, you know, we aren't, it, it's not that it's not moving forward, but that it's just we understand that at the other end of this is somebody that's saying, they said they wanted me. And now we're saying, well, actually just not yet. And so we understand that can be a little bit of a delay, but I, I wouldn't, that's just probably the nature of the business a little bit. And sometimes in things don't always continue as according to plan. All right. Someone write that down. Take that home to the bank. Do not worry about your auditions, send them and forget them because there's no use worrying over something like this, because if you are the right voice, you will be picked for the job. All right. Let's listen to audition number four. 
Good morning. I'm, and this is your weekly commentary from BlackRock Investment Institute. First up, let's explore how recent policy changes in Japan will affect the U.S. yield curve. After a period of persistent flattening, the recent U.S. yield curve is steepening, reminding us that the spread between two- and ten-year Treasury yields reflects much more than the state of the U.S. economy. Global interest rates and monetary policy also play a role in shaping the curve, with a recent tweak in Bank of Japan, BOJ policy, helping drive the mild steepening. Here's the top line. I felt like if I wasn't reading the script and I was just listening to him, I would have an easy time digesting what he was saying because of his pacing. Yeah, I mean, that's actually my notes are that the inflection points were were great. And I think you never Hang really on. got lost in what he was saying and you're able to follow and, and to carry that along. I think the one area that also we we felt with this was that it felt very news desk. It felt very uh, lead anchor, um, you know, the, the headline after headline. And again, that's not something that we didn't feel like we could direct in a, in a uh, setting, but it was something that we noted at the start of, uh, of this is to say really great tone, really great um, mastery of the subject matter, but the delivery felt a little bit out of context given the, the posture of news desk anchor, t- anchor style um, delivery. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's all good. These, these gentlemen have all done a wonderful job. I think we should all recognize them now before we, we uh, move on to the next part of the show. Can we all give them a round of applause? Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool because the people who do audition for these shows, including uh, the gentleman that you are hearing tonight, they are going to listen to this later. Okay. And so um, we want to make sure that they know we appreciated what they did. And of course you did for sure. And and have had those conversations. Um, But yeah, this feedback is so valuable. You don't generally hear this sort of thing. Um, And uh, just really grateful to you, Dale, for making the time to come out with us tonight in New York. I mean, it's it's a busy city and a busy place. You're a busy guy. So um, thank you for that. So now that we've heard all four, of the auditions that we're reviewing tonight, uh, it's time to find out who actually booked this job. So which audition? I get to break the news? I think you do. Okay. Um, uh, The the winning audition and the one that we're actually actively recorded with on a weekly basis was read number one. Um, Number one. (laughs) Woohoo. All right. So, So that we all remember what read number one sounded like. Cameron's going to queue him up. All right, let's hear it. Good morning. I'm and this is your weekly commentary from BlackRock Investment Institute. First up, let's explore how recent policy changes in Japan will affect the U.S. yield curve. After a period of persistent flattening, the recent U.S. yield curve is steepening, reminding us that the spread between two- and ten-year Treasury yields reflects much more than the state of the U.S. economy. Global interest rates and monetary policy also play a role in shaping the curve with a recent tweak in the Bank of Japan, or BOJ, policy helping drive the mild steepening. Here's the top line. The BOJ announced it would allow 10-year bonds to move in a wider range. Especially after listening to the last three and then his again, he's the most human. Yeah, Yeah, everyone agrees here, it sounds like. No, that was, it's awesome. Yeah. Fun to work with. Yes, it sounds like he'd be fun to work with. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I want to make clear too, in, in about if you see a posting that you want to respond to that maybe you don't feel like the subject matter expert in, he uh, self-admittedly has, has said, he goes, I don't know what I was talking about at first. <laughs> um, 
And and so I, I think that should inspire a little bit of confidence to say that this may not be my you know my fastball, but it's definitely something that if I just give it a couple of reps, I'm going to potentially find that I that I can do this. And um and and yeah, he's he's gotten to a point where we really trust working with him. Um, our process has gotten to a very efficient manner um, throughout the year in in having him uh, record this. Um, and so yeah, I think just as a as a sense of like your you know the way you approach certain job postings and the way that you feel about them is. Uh, I mean, just inject some of those things he's talked about that, you know, the, the willingness to be directed, show your personality off and all of those things really help us as we evaluate this and hear it. Um, so I think uh, he's a good example of that. Wow. So this has been um, over a year you've been doing this with him? It has been uh, about 10 months. 10 months. About 10 months. That's awesome. And just because I think people here might be wondering too, is obviously he's he's that good that he's kept his job, right? He's still the voice that is coming through that weekly briefing um, from Alexa. So continuity, being able to tap into the audience and, and being that voice that they trust, what kind of feedback has BlackRock received on on this voice? And, and is that why they've decided to continue? Well, the feedback has been from, from day one is that it's really been, uh, it's, it's really hit the brief in terms of what we developed and the feedback I think that we've gotten has been, um, not so much from the client, but actually from the listener base that over the course of the year, we've seen that the listenership has risen steadily over the course of the year. And and we've, we've moved from a, um, once a week, uh, of daily of once a week update on, on Tuesday mornings to now here we are in Q4 and we're actually looking at four days a week of, of new, uh, updated content. Um, that has been a little bit of a process to get to, but when you see that 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 listenership has risen along with this throughout the year, I think that's that's the good feedback that you get is that this is actually resonating. We're seeing people come back on a weekly basis and not just listen to it and say, you know, not for me. So I think that's uh, what we look for is is this really hitting the mark, and and we we're seeing that it is. Wow. Well, that's the proof is in the pudding, right? Like if you do a great job, it's going to bring results for the company. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to auditioner number one. How did you enjoy this episode of Mission Audition? Yeah, good. Sweet. Okay. Perfect. Okay. I think we can now wrap up the show. Thank you, New York, for having us here. Thank you, Dale. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. And we will join you. Yeah. And we're looking forward to joining you in another episode of Mission Audition. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed taking these tips back into your studio. Happy auditioning, guys.